Hello everybody, this is the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vernon, Vern, Vern <coughs> excuse me, let me clear my throat. Vern Value. Thank you, Vern. Very, very <laughs> graceful. Anyway, uh, we are 25-year uh, Wall Street analysts who have taken on secret identities to bring you our candid views on Value Line's weekly uh, investment survey. This week we're going to review the October 27th, 2006 the issue. Action-packed issue. Action-packed. Uh, we're doing this for entertainment purposes only. Uh, we're doing it uh, Friday afternoon. We've had a couple of drinks. We want to disclose that. And we also, uh, we may own these stocks. I own, actually this week I'm going to own the three that I uh, talk about. And uh, we may also have uh, lucrative arrangements with some of the management teams. Although not currently, but we may have hopefully one day. Uh, I'm going to be on toward the back end of the show. I'm going to talk about three stocks this week out of Value Line. Uh, Pentair, ticker PNR, Myers Industries, ticker MYE, and Barnes Group, ticker B. Okay, so ticker B. Uh, yeah, ticker B. Ticker B. Wow. It's not let it be. They must be it's like ticker a, B. Are they no. like a founding member of the New York Stock they, Exchange? I think are. This company is 400 years old. But anyway, before we get to any of that, I'd like to introduce my so colleague. Who, it was Barnes Vern. an inventor or what? He was. Absolutely he was. Well, let's what don't did take, he invent? We'll get to all of that. He invented a lot of stuff. But I don't want to wait. Well, let, you're just going to have to listen to the back end of the show, mm, Vern. All right. Well, so, uh, anyway, Vern. when I take a nap. I understand. If you insist. Okay. okay. Vern Value, here to talk about Vern Value, uh, here to talk stuff. about some other stuff in a interesting uh, interesting week lots of uh, uh, it's kind of an interesting space because there's been a lot of uh, if you've been watching what's been going on here a lot of movement stocks going I've been up, forced to since I own stocks a lot <laughs> if you miss earnings your stocks down like 50% some big uh, yeah uh, manufacturing stuff nobody knows where the economy is same going. time there's buyout GDP number today right 1.6 percent that's too low we got to get that up got to get that people back up. go buy something everybody that we gotta have get an that effect moving. on the election that's just uh, an inventory issue. Um, or well maybe but uh, nevertheless there's a lot of concern out there about uh, the sustainability of what had been very strong growth in uh, capital spending, capital investment, fueled by strong growth in corporate profits. Well, well profit growth is going to slow down. You're going to have some impact from housing, construction put in place, I guess. Well, I saw today is going to be down for the first time since the 20s. Big pieces of the economy. Yeah. That's 10%. Uh, construction, 10% GDP, 10%. construction That's all right. by itself. Right. Mm -hmm. Automotive's on its back. Uh, right. Only U.S. makers. I think, I think we've talked a about, lot the, of we've talked about the heavy uh, and the uh, commercial vehicle industry, trucks, right? They've got this emission thing going mm -hmm. on, and so yeah. demand's going to be down 50% next year well, or you got to look at the other side, too. On the other side, consumers have never been better off. Average income's never been higher. Wealth per capita's never yeah, been the higher. Home prices Home are down by the, the largest amount in well, how long? Well, 2%. I mean, uh, that's simply oh, because... I saw some uh, numbers that were much more in the, like, 10, 12 percent. Maybe range. in regions. No, the number yeah, that's going to be reported right. is down to. Okay. But it's up how much in the last few years? You know. So you got to look at a three-year moving average. Well, and I would agree with you. That's probably that risk may be you know a bit overstated. Yeah. And but we said it last week. As housing prices become more accessible to consumers through uh, things like eBay or Realtor.com, it's going to take on more of a trading type of market, just like other markets. Well, it's the, be big up news, the big news recently, of course, the construction looks like it's uh, well, it's definitely softened up, right? Residential. Yeah. Huge piece of it, and it's in the toilet. And, We've talked um, here about that's ultimately going to slow down I'm just, some of the rest of the market. I agree with what? that, but you know what? Florida Rock. We talked about it here a few weeks ago. There was a bid for a competitor today. Uh, Florida Which Rock. One? Uh, Vulcan. No. Mm. Martin Marietta. No. No. Um, 
I'm drawing no? a blank. Well, I'm drawing a blank. Eagle too. Industries. Look it up. No? no. But if you look up Florida Rock, here's what I'll tell you. You'll see <laughs> up 10%. That's what you're going to see. Oh, okay. And what I think I'm getting from that is a, a strategic buyer just bought a, a cement company and they're willing to pay a price in the face of you know a lot of uncertainty about housing. Uh, the fact is that there's a huge replacement market for lots of stuff with people already own homes and the uh, commercial construction business remains very robust and not to mention government and the need for infrastructure so some of these things I think you're seeing an inventory effect wash through but listen well there was know, a big event in the last uh, I don't remember exactly maybe a week ago or something like that caterpillar was down more than 10 percent one day when they yeah. reported numbers they reported uh, numbers they're in, they're in online, this issue they reported numbers in line, but they just moved moved guidance a little bit, right? Isn't that what happened? Uh, no, actually, they oh. uh, they were uh, they were well below consensus in the quarter. And, oh. um, they didn't move. They they didn't move. Uh, they didn't really move guidance. What oh. they did is they came up with a two thousand seven outlook that called for really very little earnings growth, and it kind of spooked people. They're in this oh, week's so, issue, yeah. and that's so there's been a lot of action in this machinery industry lately, and we've been looking at it. I decided to start with Value Line's top-rated ones, Lindsay, which is irrigation equipment, Mana, how do you pronounce that? I, Mana uh, Towak, uh, it makes cranes. Robinson Myers is a bizarre little equipment. But that's it, Manitowoc. But Manitowoc. Okay. Each one of these, it, I mean, they look like a rocket ship. The charts are... I mean, you can see why the value line has them number one. The stocks have been doing great. So then I started looking for a story that I knew something about. I like and, that um, little MSC industrial. I'm not doing it this week, but well, I Well, that's a distribution that. business, Yeah, though. I like I that. Why is that in the machinery industry? I don't know. That seems like a mis, a mis you know, yeah, filing. Yeah, and they've got machinery businesses in what they call it anyway. Um, so I, I looked at um, the uh, uh, farm equipment stocks. Farm equipment. Excellent. Uh, and why? Why am I going to talk about it? Well, honestly, because we've been doing some work in this area lately and looking at these stocks. Where do they keep all the farms? I got all these people telling me I should own them. Really? Where yeah. are the farms anyway? Where are the farms? That's Out in the country. In the country. In the country. <laughs> Out there under uh, the big blue sky. Oh, the oh. big sky. Oh. Okay. And uh, so there's two here: Deer and Agco. Agco. Isn't that clever? Ag. Oh, yeah. Co. And Someone made a million bucks on that. And the symbol is AG or AG. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Why go to the movies when you can just now, read Now, Deer stuff was like some that. guy. He invented something, you know, really useful yeah. a long time ago. Their symbol is DE. They're the leader. I probably everybody knows this. They have I think they have a better than 50% market share in uh, in, what? in North America in, in farm farming? equipment. Farm equipment. Farm equipment. This is the machinery, the big green tractors Who you see. Who sees any of these things? Well, where if can you I drive can even in buy the one? country? How, let's say I want one of these right now. If you want Where do I ride? go? <laughs> where should I go? They have is they it, have dealers. Do they have a website? They have dealers. I mean, can you order this online? I don't think you can buy it on the web. Uh, but they have to well, go, come on. I know you one of them down the highway, and you go buy these. Places. One of their problems, I think, is they don't have enough of big green. They do not have enough places you can buy these things. I never see one. Well, I, write them a letter. They probably, you know, they probably have well, a listen place in, on everybody. their website. Well, here's the story. The, the reason people love this is this is the alternative energy play. This is corn, which I think. And, and we've looked at the historically corn prices, futures prices, mm -hmm. highly correlated with Deere's stock price. Is that right? What's good for corn is good for the corn farmer, and he's going to go spend his money on a new John Deere green tractor. Who would have known that? Okay. What about soybeans? Now, ethanol. Wheat. Okay. I don't know. Now, the, the corn story today is an ethanol story, right? Because mm. we need to get rid of that dastardly foreign imported oil. 
That is Quit so much that bullshit. Nasty this stuff. ethanol. Let's it costs grow more. The total let's grow cost. Plants. The plants are good. They take carbon the total cost monoxide, of that dioxide, dioxide per mile is higher into than oxygen. Gasoline. Plants are our friends. I understand all that. So let's this grow nonsense. lots of plants. Nonsense. Turn it into fuel. Well, there was a story I think in the journal this week, or sometime this week at least, if it wasn't today, said something about there's 40 some ethanol plants being built. It's nonsense. In the, it's in the. Uh, it was in the story today on the front page about construction. There's all these ethanol plants. They're going to be able to make more ethanol than has been used in the history well, of man. Well, the problem is in the United States, we basically already farm all the available farmland and have for a long time. So if you need more corn, you can't go plant. You're not going to dig up a, a, a subdivision. And Can you double deck this stuff? I don't know if that's realistic. Okay. But, but what people do is they switch between corn and soybeans. And what's going to happen is there's going to be acreage will convert to corn because prices are up. And that'll put pressure on soybean supply. And that'll benefit the Brazilians. So okay. where are we today? Well, the, the market for farm equipment in Brazil is kind of on its back. And deer is down there in a big way in combines. Yeah. And they're about to uh, open a tractor factory in Brazil uh, at a time when the market's at a bottom. So that's good, right? Isn't but, Brazil always a currency kind of thing? Uh, you've got the you've got this great story on uh, ethanol and what it can do for corn prices and so farm income and ultimately you know corporate profits good for capital spending. Good Same for thing capitalism. at the farm level. It's good for capitalism too. Uh, but this stock at eighty seven dollars is near an all time high, even though its PE looks reasonable at fourteen, um, and a nice yield one point eight percent. Um, we did some enterprise value to EBITDA math and, Magic. and it basically comes out at about nine times, so not exactly cheap for a machinery company. And if you look at uh, if you look at the sales numbers, they're running around twenty billion today, and you can see there's a lot of history here at like nine to twelve or something like that. So hard to see that overall sales are at a trough or anywhere near that. Um, a lot of discussion about. Uh, there are other businesses, which include construction and forestry machinery and commercial and consumer. I'm not sure what that is, except I know they make lawnmowers for consumers. So I've seen um, those. I've seen this stuff the golf is a, this is a significant piece of the company, and so um, it's not just farm machinery. So I look at the. I'd like to own this. I like the fundamental story. I like the idea of more Chinese want to eat more meat as their standard of living rises, right. and then you get a multiplier effect on demand for grain. And we've done some homework, and worldwide grain inventories are really at, at sort of. I mean, without getting too technical about month in, month out, whether they're all measured exactly the same way. If you look at the long-term trend, we're at least at something like a decade low on inventory levels, and and some would argue much that? longer. Well, for a long period of time, the Chinese in particular used to uh, hoard grain inventories to make sure that they'd be able to feed the population if there was a crop failure. They had a, basically a closed economy, didn't really trade with the rest of the world. And, you know, face it, in a communist nation where things are inherently inefficient, uh, you're probably always uh, right on the edge of revolution. And if you don't keep people fed, they're probably going to overthrow you. So hmm. what's happened is China's opened up. They've gained the confidence. They've entered the world global trading system. They gained confidence in basically allowing those inventories to be depleted. So I see. there's a pretty good, you know, long-term global picture here. But um, the thing that um, I can't get around is I'm looking at about 14 times free cash flow on what looks like, you know, must be closer to peak revenue sales than trough. 
So, so not okay. cheap enough. I see. But it, there is something here, and the reason I'm spending this much time talking about it is there is something here it's that could change It's fun to talk things. about. I can't deny that. Well, they're construction and forestry equipment, right? Remember when I was talking about Caterpillar earlier and their surprise? Well, part of that had to do with the collapse in U.S. new home construction yeah. and the effect that that has not just on demand for new machines, but also on the dealer's confidence in carrying inventory. Of course. So yeah. you get a leveraged impact yeah. on the manufacturer. Well, things have been going great for deer in this business. Uh, that business is generating higher profit levels, margins, than any of their others today. And I think, as I recall, I don't have any notes with me, but I think it's more than a third of their operating income today. And uh, we just had another event today in the uh, construction equipment industry, uh, Ingersoll Rand, uh, disappointed and had a disappointing outlook uh, because their Bobcat compact equipment business uh, has taken it on the chin. I think, as I recall, sales were down something like a third in the uh, third quarter. Ooh. So now that's got to be an inventory issue. These are happens, well, that's right. Yeah. You get not just retail, but right. you also get the inventory. So it's overstated, issue. and you almost in, in, you almost assure a nice positive comparison. The a stock's year from near now. an all-time high. I mean, it's it's priced at a level that, by definition, is vulnerable to disappointment. There isn't really uh, the great things that could happen in farm equipment are all on the come. Uh, Brazil, good story, but you know, really sick today. And I got a business that, uh, you know, so I got an idea maybe some of these earnings estimates could be at risk. So uh, uh, got to stay off of that. But, you know, I, you got to gotta watch this so you can get into it. Let me give you a comparison shot on Agco so you have an idea of, you know, whether deer represents value. And by the way, that nine times EBITDA, I feel a lot more comfortable buying it at eight. And I ran the math backwards, and it's about an $80 stock price. If I can get this below, if I can get deer below 80, I'd probably start nibbling at it, okay? Because at least I'm in a reasonable valuation. Well, and the range. chart looks like you could get that type of correct. Well, and yeah, you know, if you look where it, you know, it, it looks like it had support in the 70s previously, so maybe you wouldn't have much downside risk at that point. Quickly on Agco, they really don't benefit much from U.S. corn. It's not really a they they own a variety of different brands. Agco um, Value Line talks about all of them here: Farmhand, Fent, Gleaner. Uh, Massey Ferguson, I mean, old classic names from farm equipment, but they're nowhere in the U.S. Corn Belt. But they are big in South America. Value Line has it here, South America, 12% of sales, and that's, as I mentioned before, with the Brazilian market on its back. So problem is here again, stock near an all-time high at $27, in this case a 26 PE because their earnings are depressed. It's, there's apparently some restructuring, manufacturing issues not quite sure. So free cash flow right now, I mean, close to zero, maybe 50 cents, $27 stock. I'm looking at maybe $2 normalized free cash flow. Again, $27 stock, 13, 14 times normalized. Hmm. Um, enterprise value to adopt, seven and a half to eight times. Well, 76%, I think. No, no, that's not that bad. 36% total capital. But uh, they're going to, it says management's confident they can produce free cash flow of $100 million this year um, on total revenue of over $5 billion and a well, market uh, two, capitalization yeah, exactly. of $2.5 billion. Kind of a small dollars. Yield. That's pretty low number. So, you know, which one would you buy? I don't, not sure. I'm thinking about ag equipment. You want to buy deer under 80, okay? You're I got one 80. more that I want to talk about. This one is a really kind of a classic value idea on the face of it, but I think you have to also wait here. I own this. Do you really? Yeah. Well, I, I want it. This be interesting. Oh, I don't know much about it. I've owned it a long, long. Be time. interesting. To see if you I'm see the same track. way I do. The, the company's name is Park Ohio Holdings. I don't know this company. Okay. P K O H is the symbol. Uh, the stock recently around 13 and a half. 
seven times earnings, a 60% discount to the market, no dividend. The stock around 14, say, if you, after you buy some of it, uh, highs in the recent years, 20 to $30. It's down 35% from its high this year. Now, why would this be? Well, there's a lot of financial leverage. Market capitalization, $150 million. Total debt, $380, okay? According to Value Line, 76% of total capital is debt. Long-term interest is $32 million a year. There's not really any excess cash. So I mean, maybe a few million dollars, but $32 million in interest. Well, you, you know, in a highly leveraged situation, you always want to look at worst case. So in the last 10 years, uh, the worst um, amount of cash flow, I'm sorry, free cash flow generated by the company, about $15 million in 2001 in recession year, several years around $20 million. But again, not anywhere near the 32 million long, you know, the uh, interest number. Free cash flow, 27 million dollars currently. So not getting a lot of comfort there. Um, does look cheap. Also, enterprise value EBITDA. You add that uh, equity and debt together, you've got about 530 million. I've got current EBITDA at about 94, so about five and a half times. Um, so very cheap, but very highly leveraged, enough so that the annual interest payment compared to free cash flow looks kind of onerous. And free cash flow, I mean, sales at this company um, running above a billion dollars currently as low, as, well, they were under $700 million just three years ago. So it makes me a little nervous. Yeah. Directors and officers own 33% of the company, including chairman and CEO, one guy, 20%. All right? So it sounds like... One guy's private empire, some guy named Crawford, um, and but he's got some company. Um, uh, Mario Gabelli's business, Gam Gamco Investors, has almost 13%. Fidelity, 9%. Well, look, <clears throat> free cash flow per share. Right now, three, very six, high. Three, so 55. if you can sustain this, it looks very interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, Value Line talks about, you know, they got some businesses doing well. they got some operational issues. It's kind of a mixed bag. But then they tell us that, Park, Ohio is going to alter its capital structure because they filed a shelf for $100 million of debt or common, it says. Now, Value Line then goes on to speculate that if the stock price goes up some, they'll use that, raise some equity, take care of their balance sheet problem, and you know we're off to the races, except that as a current shareholder, you'd be diluted by that. You'd have to hope that the pickup and stability and reduction of risk would you know more than compensate the stock price, go up enough to overcome it might happen because it looks like there's some legitimate default risk here. Um, on the other hand, Value Line thinks if the stock price goes down a lot, they'll, well, I guess, issue the debt and buy back a bunch of stock, and that isn't going to happen, folks. So I'm trying to, I'm looking at this, I and mean, what, what could they be thinking here? Maybe they were planning to issue common. The stock's down 35% from its high. So maybe, but I don't want to sell stock here, and nobody wants to see them sell stock here. Well, why not sell a convert? Why not sell a basically a debt instrument with an option to buy stock? So it's dilutive, okay? But sell the debt, sell it with a very low coupon, certainly lower than indicated by this 32 million of interest on 380 million of debt. So refinance your balance sheet, um, gain enough free cash flow then that you might be able to reinvest in the business. Or, Maybe you could buy back stock. Or 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 uh, improve your operating margin a little bit. Yeah, you've got a lot of cash flow. You got three hundred, three fifty-five a share. Uh, CapEx here one thirty. I mean, two years ago it was a buck. So maybe you have two fifty a share in free cash. There's eleven million shares. That's you're going to cut back on forty-five million a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
you know, you start taking a whack at, at long-term debt. Uh, or well, the you point sell out to a financial buyer. Can, What's the enterprise value that you, you can buy? On this? You can buy a million shares for fourteen million dollars. So if they, even if they, I mean, no matter what they do here, they can they can buy some stock back if they want to. I bought this back in '01. It was near yeah, bankruptcy. Right. I made a bet it wasn't going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. So it's been a good stock. Why sell it? You know. But in here, I could have sold it at the peak. I did not. Yeah. Now it's down. I mean, they've got a good base business. I have to admit, I don't know much about it. When I bought it, I wasn't taking much well, risk. Well, the, the thing that one of the but, things that concerns me is that fifty-seven percent of sales last year, integrated logistics solutions. This is a business that more sophisticated companies have been exiting. This is the business of uh, being responsible for all the little hardware that's used on the uh, assembly line at a manufacturing or well, maybe you know, like Caterpillar, uh, little get bolts and nuts power. and stuff. No, there is no pricing power. If everyone exits, maybe they'll be the well, last, yeah, last maybe. one. Okay. Over time, long yeah, time. Maybe that's their point. In any event, I think this is interesting, but I, my concern, and you own it, my concern is the stock's going down more be, before it goes yeah. back up. But Saves uh, me taxes. Huh, maybe. Value line rates at five. This is a much more interesting situation here because a little bit of, little bit of help on uh, conversion of debt to equity and capital structure go a long way when the equity is only about, what is that, about a quarter of the total yeah. enterprise value? They could, do, they could convert some of so that. That's huge, a good idea. Huge leverage here. So, okay. Park, Ohio. Sorry, we kind of ran on a little bit. I there. don't know that you did. I think that was very interesting. Personally, personally, I can just well, speak for myself. Well, let's hope our listeners found it a bit interesting All as right, well. All right, well. Time for a beverage, beverage break. Beverage break. Clink. Clink. We're, <laughs> oh, that didn't They, they are plastic, aren't they? Mm. Okay, well, <clears throat> take it away. Val. Thank you very much, Vern. Appreciate that. Um, I just uh, I just picked out three this week, and uh, you know, right in. Maybe that's all we should be doing every week. I don't know, but it certainly saves me some time, so I'm in favor. I did three. Um, the first one is one I owned a long time ago. Did well on it. Don't own it now, but could own it. It's looking very interesting, which is why I'm talking about it. It's called Barnes Group. Ticker B. It's on page 1378. What do these guys do? Well, first of all, if you've ever heard of them, raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any hands. Okay, it's uh, an old family-owned business. The Barnes family still owns about 20%. Uh, they make. Uh, they have two businesses. One is called Associated Spring. I'm just reading out of the value line that manufactures precision precision springs and metal parts used in durable goods. That's 38% of sales. Barnes Distribution, I'm sorry, it's three businesses. Barnes Distribution, which is a leader in the area of industrial maintenance, repair, and operating supplies, a segment known as the MRO business. And finally, their third business is Barnes Aerospace, where they produce aircraft components and provide overhaul and repair services. Now, traditionally, the MRO business is great. This is the business of W.W. Uh, w. Granger that we've spoken about here uh, with great enthusiasm, uh, but Granger is not as cheap as I'd like, but we paid up and we're willing to pay up. It's been a good bet. We've been willing to pay up for Granger as we get a resurgence of industrial activity here, um, you know, after the recession got canceled about six months ago. And so, but Barnes Group has this little uh, Granger-like business inside of it. In my opinion, it's really the jewel of the company. Uh, and it's called, they don't actually list it here, I don't think, but I recall it's called Bowman Distribution. 
And what they do is uh, if, a, if a manufacturing plant is humming along and we're moving up the sort of capacity utilization uh, scale, so there's apt to be more breakdowns right at the time when incremental production is more valuable, incremental margins higher than average margin. And so right at that moment, you need to get this thing fixed and you don't care how much it costs. Uh, so guess what? Bowman Distribution, happy to come over, overcharge you for a part that runs your million dollar machine. They make a nice margin on that. In fact, Bowman Distribution, Value Line says here, accounts uh, for 25% of sales, but maybe up to 50% of operating income, and that's my memory as well. Uh, so as industry picks up, Bowman Distribution picks up, uh, this stock is trading at 14 times earnings. I think Granger's around 17, 18. 24% uh, discount to the S&P 500. Plus, you get a little bit of a yield, 2.7% yield. It's more than a little bit. Yeah, okay. Uh, cash flow per share, 215. So nine times, you know, gross cash. Uh, and CapEx isn't that high, 65 cents a share. So I got basically a uh, buck fifty. This is about 12 times free cash flow. That might be a 8% uh, yield, the way I might look at it. Plus, you get a little bit of growth here. Uh, the curious thing about the growth rate. And the dividend at 2.7%. Yeah, you get that. Uh, but, you know, value line here, they've got this little chart over on the middle left, annual rates of growth. They're forecasting 17% earnings growth uh, between the sort of now and the last three years to the sort of future three Somewhere years of there. some kind. Uh, so that's pretty good growth. So you're going to earn cash yield plus growth. That's a pretty good return. Now, they have a couple of other businesses. This associated spring, uh, I've actually years ago seen the uh, standalone uh, income statement for that and you know that doesn't really do that well but of course companies making decisions about where to allocate assets and costs and so that might be purposely left low so they don't get competitors sometimes uh, I think companies play a little game with that then the other business which can cyclically be very good and help them is called Barnes Aerospace where uh, just like the Bowman distribution helps manufacturers that need parts Bowman or rather uh, Barnes Aerospace helps uh, with engine uh, maintenance and repair and replacement. And uh, Value Line talks here about them recently winning a new General Electric engine contract for some engines that are pretty old, which is good for them. Uh, one started its life in 1982 and one in 1971. So these engines are coming up. And I look at that and I go, gee, are some of these engines 35 years old? Evidently they are. And so, uh, you know, they earn a decent margin on that. Uh, the company has... Uh, you know, a long history of earning pretty reasonable returns on equity, not great, low to mid-teens, and a upper single-digit return on capital, which Ouch. looks like it's improving. But, you know, this is a uh, competitive market. I think they, in some cases, uh, are pressed on by the manufacturers, particularly in the case of GE, to keep margins uh, and, or, you know, returns low. But that's why this Bowman distribution is so, uh, I think, important to the profitability and may misstate really the uh, uh, you know the earning power of the company uh, over time so this is one that uh, I like 14 times earnings Barnes Group B okay moving along Myers Industries ticker MYE this is on page uh, 1394 it's another cheap stock 14.7 uh, times earnings according to value line I I suspect these prices are a little higher now. Last week was, you know, pretty good for value buyers. 20% uh, discount to the S&P according to Value Line. Nine times cash flow of 2.15 a share, and 11 times free cash flow, which again I might look at that as a 9% cash on cash yield, 
plus growth. Now over here, value lines predicting earnings growth per Myers Industries of 21.5% over the next mystical five-year period. Uh, what does Myers Industries do? Well, they're the manufacturer of, a manufacturer of polymer products for industrial, agriculture, automotive, commercial, and consumer markets. Uh, principal products include plastic storage containers, plastic and rubber OEM parts, plastic horticulture products, uh, etc. Well, when I see etc. after a bunch of words that say plastic, I can only assume that means more plastic. And what I know about plastic is that they've been getting price increases because of their raw material price uh, increases that uh, they've absorbed. But Oil. right, yeah, but right now raw material prices are going down. I don't know that their prices will be going down as fast or certainly likely to lag. So you're going to see some nice margin improvement here, I would say, over the next four quarters. Value line has a little bit of margin gain here, but if you look back to the past cycles, uh, you know, they earned in the mid to upper teens on margin. Now value line is showing them moving toward 12%. I think there could be some upside to that. Uh, like Barnes Group, you know, their returns on equity have not been what I'd call super but, uh, you know, on the other hand, that's why these cash flow yields are a little bit higher. And if value line's right about the growth rate here, 21.5%, um, you know, that's going to drive why the stock price higher. Why would there be 21.5% percent growth in a name like that? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm relying on value line. Uh, but uh, I think that plastic in the parts they do, probably there's a... The, that's the growth rate yeah. out to beyond the neutral but, you know, zone. if I try to just uh, look beyond, you know, the, what they say here... I think plastic must just be continuing to gain share in all these product categories. I know plastic mm. containers a few years ago, you know, they probably have almost completely overtaken the cardboard box industry. Plastic right. Uh, plastic OEM parts are continuing to gain share in terms of value per vehicle. That's right. They keep uh, engineering new formulations. Yeah. That you know, are, I had a talk with... Uh, uh, just I don't Superman know. would be the man of plastic. Well, or Hexel I talked to a few weeks yeah. ago on the phone. You know, more and more products are, are taking these engineered composites. So the, the move toward cheaper, better, lighter continues, and plastics continues to be a part of that. I think these are highly engineered plastics, I'd say, and they continue to gain share. One of the interesting things about this company that attracts me is it's uh, heavily owned by the Myers family. Mary Myers owns 15%. Stephen Myers owns 7.7%. That's 23%. Uh, and then you got Fidelity with nearly 8%, Dimensional Fund with 7 And these are serious investors who've done their homework. Uh, and we haven't done any homework, so we can benefit from their good work. Um, you've also got a recent CEO change. You know, what does that mean? Does that mean that he got options to shop the company at a higher price and the family is old and ready to sell? Or what? Who knows? But sometimes a CEO change can be a, a very good catalyst. Um, you know, the stock's up a little bit recently, but I wouldn't let that stop me. I think we're going to have a good three years forward in the economy before uh, we slow it all down with higher interest rates, and I'd be a buyer in this for a move, you know, to the mid-20s. Finally, a stock I own, Pentair, ticker PNR, uh, page 1398. Value line has, uh, uh, I guess, uh, given this its lowest rating. Well, uh, Timeliness 5, and, uh, you know, I just bought some more today. So uh, I'm taking a <clears throat> distinctly opposite view here of Pentair. The, what does Pentair do? Pentair manufactures electrical and electronics enclosures, pumps, pool and spa equipment, material dispensing equipment, and water conditioning equipment. Well, that's a lot of verbiage. This is a water infrastructure company. 
I think, primarily. Uh, in recent years, up to half their earnings have been driven by the residential pool and spa market, and the stock's taken a big hit. Well, that's a consumer discretionary, isn't it? Well, it really is, you would think. But here's the interesting thing I would about anyway. it. You would. Let me go through this now. The stock, right now, the is stock this is. Hurt? It, it probably won't. Try oh, to. Good. Don't. Okay. Uh, I don't like pain. Take that pen away from your eye, though. That could hurt. <laughs> now, I this stock has been under pressure the last two years because the company a little bit overpaid for an acquisition. Uh, Ycor back in 04, they paid up because they wanted to extend their water franchise for the long term and for China, India, things like that. Billion people need fresh water, those kinds of projects. And so they paid up a little bit and they've been paying the price for that. It hurt ROI. Uh, returns on you know equity and things a little bit here but they've been working through that uh, took a hit to margin a little, well that's not really showing up here exactly but in any case they've I think taken a hit on the street from from the acquisition and uh, I'm sure the street would have preferred buybacks but they've reconfigured their businesses to be pointed at water infrastructure that's their 30-year play but you know they're in this pool and spa business now interestingly I want to go through a little bit of math. They're about 50% water industrial infrastructure, about 50% residential pool and spa. Stocks hit recently because of the slowdown in housing. Um, you know, and uh, housing stocks are down, but then up a little bit. This one's up a little bit as well. But in housing, here's the thing to remember. And I've talked to management in the last 30 days. These uh, pumps that they sell to residential uh, owners have a life of you know, I mean, these things are on constantly. They, they have a life of four to five years, and then you got to be replaced if you want to continue to use your pool and spa. Now, I suggest once you've sunk money into a pool or spa, you're going to pay to keep the pump working. And so, you know, I know there's a million new single-family homes started last year. I don't know how many of them had pools and spas, but let's say 10%. It's 100,000 sales. Maybe that goes to 50,000 this no, year. more like 2 million. Housing starts? Res residential. Yes. Single family home. Yes. The people who can get pools and spas. Yes. No, it's not too many. Yes, it is. No, it is. Yeah. We're down to, uh, I think we're down to a one Single family million. homes? I think we're down to Are a Are you talking about million. multifamily? What's your total housing number? Total that housing. My, that is my total housing Yeah. Number. So part of that is apartments, condos, stuff. It's not half. Part of it. It's, <laughs> it's about half. No, it isn't. Okay, well, we'll come back next okay. week with that, everybody. We sure. don't need to debate this on your time. But in any case, whatever the number is, uh, a certain percent of them are getting pools and spas. Maybe it's 10%. I don't even know that number. But the point is there's 50 million existing single-family homes, and the same percent of them have pools and spas, and they're replacing them. And when you work through the numbers on that, about a million pools and spas are, are you know, pumps for pools and spas are being bought in the replacement channel every year, and about a hundred thousand are being bought over in the new uh, construction market every year. Now, granted, that's incremental profits that are going to roll off, but it's going to be a one-time thing as you move to a new level. I think the street is over uh, estimating the negative impact. I went through these numbers with the CFO about three weeks ago and it's just not as onerous as people are thinking meantime they've taken ownership uh, of a joint venture in China and they're on the ground trying to figure out how to get water from the you know three gorge dam or whatever it is to Beijing in time for the 2008 Olympics 
so you know there's bigger fish to fry here than how many pools are going in. Need a lot exactly. of buckets. So, got a lot of Chinese people. I know. Gonna this need is, a lot uh, of buckets. And in India, do you have a bucket stock? No, no, no I don't. Okay. Uh, although uh, I'm sure Pentair. How about hoses? They could do it with hoses. No, no. You have a hose the, stock. The, all that stuff is part of the sale. But what these guys do is they simply sell the the pumps. And uh, some of the electronics and such and the control equipment around all of that. In any case, Pentair, good long-term play. The stock is uh, 17 times earnings. It's not super cheap. Uh, but on the other hand, I think those are depressed numbers. Hmm. And the street, can, the street view of the stock is really washed out right now. So I think in terms of expectations, there's only upside. Um, I think you'll get ongoing margin improvement as you get more efficiencies from this Wicor acquisition. Those should go on for another 12 or 18 months. This China thing, 12 months from now, is going to have Stock's a whole different... Stock's under this level, isn't it? It's lower, isn't I it? Think it's, uh, I think it is a little lower. I'm not sure of that. You know, I didn't look at the close today, but it's it's not 30 yet. I think it's 20. It could be 28. Well, I was thinking that didn't they just have some kind of disappointment in the last week or... Uh, they that you bought it on the dip. Probably. Well, they it was not that much. They uh, they came out and they gave slightly uh, lower guidance, but, but already uh, anticipated. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was any any big deal okay. on that. But uh, Pentair, PNR, good balance sheet. You know, fourteen percent operating margins. Need to get their returns up, which they're doing, and it's trading at about. Uh, uh, you know, it's a little more expensive than I like, but. You know, it's 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 about 11 times cash flow, 10 times next year's, and, you know, maybe 13 times free cash flow. So, in any case, that's all I have. This has been Val Hughes. Hughes, yeah. Yeah. And right. uh, you are... Check uh, your name tag. Yep. <laughs> and I am... Oh, my name. Yeah. Vern Valiant. Yeah. Yes, okay. I remember. Okay, people now. are probably really tired of listening to us by now. So, yeah. thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Gotta go.